I think that the um, the challenge sometimes within the company, both for myself as well as other members, is to always remind ourselves why we exist. Hemp, hemp is a great example of, of, of how you can make an otherwise non-durable garment much more durable. Call to action for other brands, for other retailers, and for consumers in general to quit single use in their own life. Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. Now, more than ever, stakeholders are demanding the integration of social values and causes in everything from shoes to soap to investments. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. And this is the Beyond Capital Podcast. Today's guest is Brian Linton. Brian is the founder and CEO of United by Blue, an outdoor brand focused on conservation and sustainable supply chains. United by Blue clothing and accessory products can be found in 1,300 stores around the country. Brian was previously the founder of Sand Shack, a beachwear company, and is an advocate for ocean cleanup efforts. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. We're so glad to have you today. Super stoked to be here. So let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Southeast Asia and studied marine biology. Tell us about some of your early influences and how they played a role in your decision to create United by Blue. So growing up in Southeast Asia, which is obviously a, a small island nation in, in, uh, in the tropics, I was really into fish um, and not not fishing per se, but actually raising fish, tropical fish in, in fish tanks. And so my, my, my passion as a teenager was uh, raising, raising fish. And I had 30 fish tanks at one point where I would breed them, I would study them, and then I would even sell babies back to other fish hobbyists or fish stores. And, and that really shaped my, my love of the aquatic world in terms of you know, I, I just felt like the, the aquatic world was the most fascinating part of, of life on this planet. And understanding that the quality of the water of even a fish tank on a micro, micro scale is super important. And it was always shocking to me to see how, when I would travel and go elsewhere, how poorly humans treat our waters. And, and, and that sort of disconnect is what stayed with me when I came to the U.S. and I went to college and I started my first business to basically give back a portion of proceeds to ocean conservation work. Did you start United by Blue shortly after college or was there a gap there? I, so I started my original business when I was in college right after my freshman year. Uh, I uh, ran that business through college and a couple years out of college. And then I, and then I started, so I graduated college in 2008, right into the great, great recession. And then by 2010, I was transforming the original business into what is now United by Blue. And so United by Blue started in, in 2010. Okay. 
And you've said that it's important to you that you aren't giving things away rather than donating. Your social mission is really about uniting people behind conservation and getting them to care about the ocean. What does social environmental, social or environmental impact look like for United by Blue? And how does your company think about it? Yeah, that's a great point in the question. So when I originally started business in my entrepreneurial infancy, as a 19-year-old in 2006, I, I, I thought that the best way to do good was to give it away, um, to give money away. And in many ways, you know, social entrepreneurship or environmental activism, all of that was still not really in the business um, in the business world at that time. So giving away money was the logical way to do good. Um, what I learned throughout college and then after college running this, this smaller business was that I wasn't really able to trace that, that impact to anything physical. So if I was, you know, trying to use it for customer communication or marketing, um, it was like I gave X amount away, but what did that mean? And so when I, when I started to think about what I wanted to do next and, 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 and the brand that I wanted to start, I, I realized very early on that I wanted to have a physical impact. And not, again, not, not a donation-based model, but, a, but an activism and community-based uh, model. So the, the, the thing is, at the time in 2009 when this was being developed, is that there wasn't really many references for that. Um, anything that was, quote-unquote, social entrepreneurship was still very much donation-based. So United by Blue came out as the first brand to really focus on building environmental activism into a grassroots brand uh, through cleanups and getting people together around this cause. Excellent. And um, tell us a little bit, like, what are some of the products that you're selling? The United by Blue designs and, and, and sells a wide array of products that are designed for sustainable living, whether or not indoors or outdoors. We, we make uh, men's and women's apparel. Uh, we use materials such as organic cotton or recycled polyester and hemp. Uh, we also make a really beautiful line of outerwear insulated with bison shield insulation, which is our proprietary bison fiber-based um, insulation. Um, we also make a lot of accessories, both tools for sustainable living, such as reusable drinkware or straw kits or utensil kits as well as bags uh, made from recycled materials, as, uh, as well as uh, a wide range of accessories like hats and socks and anything really that you need to outfit your day-to-day life. So you're not just making reusable products. You're also focusing on how those products are made, and that brings the supply chain into the question. And we hear a lot about supply chains these days, um, what do you think it means to have a sustainable supply chain? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like sustainable supply chains are arguably the most important part of running a sustainable business. I think a lot of people that do get into social entrepreneurship think that it's just the, the output that matters and not the input. And for me, it's both. And so the sustainable supply chain that we've developed at United by Blue is very much focused on making products as sustainable as possible, but also not just taking sustainability as a status quo and not just looking at what is currently deemed sustainable, but what do we need to do as an organization to push sustainability forward? And what I mean by that is, you know, it's easy to say, oh, organic cotton, that's a sustainable material. And in many ways it is. It's, it's, it's a great alternative to conventional cotton. 
doesn't use any pesticides or fertilizers. But it's not always that linear. There's always there's always two sides to the equation. And just because it's a more sustainable alternative doesn't mean doesn't mean that it's sustainable. And so it's questioning those things and, and looking at that paradox and deciding a in the current context of today, what is the most sustainable, but also in 10 years from now, are we going to look back at this and say, man, I can't believe that, that I thought that that was sustainable, you know, and, 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 and looking, looking at the world in that way as well. So pushing for new materials, looking at new technologies, um, not just being complacent about where we are today, um, but thinking about where we want to be tomorrow. So we've had a guest on in the food business who goes deep on the supply chain, hippie snacks. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about how not just the particular material, but also how it gets to them, whether it came on a dirty truck or on a clean train or whatever the different components may be. Do you get in that deep on your supply chain as well? We do. I mean, you know, we, we definitely think about things as far back in the supply chain as, as possible and, and all the way to how they, how they get delivered to our customers. It's, it's hard to do it as comprehensively as I would ultimately like to do due to our, um, due to how complex and how many things we make. And then also due to our size. However, mm-hmm. every, every season we, we get, we get more in depth with all the materials that we use. And I'll, I'll use spice and fiber as a good example. You know, we, we pioneered a supply chain that entailed shaving bison, uh, shearing like bison, uh, and using that fiber in various products. And what that looks like is basically working with farmers in North America to procure bison from, from North American farms that can then be sheared. And then we take the fiber. We know the guy that literally holds the shearing tools. We know where the bison came from. We take that fiber and we clean it at a, at a place that we, that we directly source. And then we, and then we separate out the fibers into different grades. So we have the, the, the super fine fibers that go into our socks and we have coarser fibers that go into our jackets and we take it through the entire supply chain process, um, all the way to, you know, sourcing the fabric to, to, to manufacturing, doing the cut and sew, and then ultimately putting it on, on a boat and, and bringing it to our warehouse. So that's something that we know down to the animal that it came from. And that's, that's the type of supply chain that we, that we ultimately want to run across the entire company. Um, but there are still certain areas that we have to put the trust in, 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 in credible suppliers. Like we get our recycled polyester from uh, Unify. It's a reprieve branded recycled polyester. And, and there's traceability standards there with Unify that they can say, you know, these were all post-consumer plastic bottles that were recycled back into recycled yarn. Um, so we really value that and we, we value the partnerships with those suppliers um, so that we can, we know that when we're delivering a product that we're not just saying it's sustainable, we have, we have the supply chain to support that. That's a, The depth is extremely impressive. Thank you. And I also know that ocean conservation is a cornerstone of your brand um, as you also mentioned um, your company has helped to remove over 2 million pounds of trash from the ocean. Was this an employee led initiative? So 
the basis for United by Blue and what, what we're founded on is being united by blue, which means that we're united by the oceans and waterways, the blue parts of our planet. And so this idea of unity around this cause was, was something that was, was started from day one, which is, is our mission to remove a pound of trash from oceans and waterways for every product that we sell. Um, and again, you know, at the time, back in 2009-10, associating some type of environmental action with a business transaction was 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 a novel concept in the sense that we're not we're not giving anything away, but what we're doing is we're funding the internal efforts to organize and host these cleanup efforts. And we do that with our retail partners. So we have plenty of retail partners across the country that purchase and sell our products. We also have a lot of you know, e-commerce customers and customers within our own communities that were based in Philadelphia that will come out to these cleanup efforts and work side by side with us to remove trash from, from, from waterways and, and, and oceans. And so you asked if it's an employee-led initiative, and, and, and it is. It's, there's a team here in, you know, at United by Blues HQ that's responsible for organizing and hosting cleanup efforts on an ongoing basis to accomplish our mission, our, our promise to the customer. And we do them, again, with retail partners, with other 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 partners that we get involved with, and we do them all across the country on an ongoing basis. And and therefore, you know, we're we're well over two million pounds now, three hundred cleanups, working with ten plus thousand volunteers. That's amazing. I just have to ask you this question. There's that guy who's building that machine that's gonna go out into the Pacific Ocean and gather a bunch of floating plastic and trash. Mm-hmm. And I should have done my research yeah. and know who that was, but you probably know. Boy and yeah, boy and yeah. Do you think it's going to work? Uh, it has a chance. I mean, it's not as it's not the silver bullet by any means. I think that you know technology like that is going to be an important part of of continued cleanup of the oceans. Um, there's it's, it's in testing right now, and it's, it's it's collecting some trash, but there's just so much trash out there. Um, by twenty. 50 is it or 2030 forget there's so many stats out there about about the amount of plastic that's in the ocean now but you know there'll be more plastic than 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 fish and so the reality of the situation that we're in is that it's 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 still a compounding issue and it's still growing because of the amount of trash that gets into the oceans every year so really what what it has to be is it has to be it has to be two sides of the equation you know we got to be picking up trash like we are doing as well so we we recognize we're a band-aid for the solution. And that's, that's where I think it's important for anybody that's doing cleanups to, 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 to be real with yourself, to be real with the, the world and saying, hey, we're a band-aid to a pretty big issue. And unless we stop putting it there in the first place, none of this really matters. So United by Blue sort of takes that pragmatic approach to cleanups and says, hey, we're not out there. Even if we do 10 million or 20 million or, or, or 100 million pounds of trash removed as a result of our existence, it doesn't matter um, because it's still getting in the environment. And it's not to say that it's not important to pick up every single pound of trash. It's just that the reality is, is that consumer behavior and, and cultures across the world have to change for this to really change in the long run. And it's going to take time. Um, but the good news is that there's, you know, there's, there's a principle of cultural diffusion. And, you know, cultures influence other cultures, whether or not good or bad. And I like to think that the culture at United by Blue is to have a diffusive impact on on other cultures that see what we're doing, so that so that behavior can ultimately change. That makes a lot of sense. And you know, we're living at a time where fashion production makes up ten percent of humanity's carbon emissions, and people 
Well, actually, people um, bought 60% more garments in 2014 than in 2000, but they only kept those garments for half as long. That really strikes me, and it dovetails very nicely into your movement that you've been building called hashtag quit single use. How, what is, what is this movement and how does it have meaning for you and United by Blue? So quit single use came out originally when we realized looking at our own supply chain, just how much plastic we're still using, even though we were out there preaching the gospel of, 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 you know, sustainability and, 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 and trying to get, you know, the plastics cleaned up from our waterways. And so when I looked at it and I said, holy crap, you know, we, we don't even really know how much plastic is being utilized because it's just so common practice in a manufacturing or, or anything that you're making in this world to just have a pla- have plastic be a part of it, whether or not it's going into a poly bag after it's made or if it has, you know, some type of plastic component to it that ultimately if it doesn't get, you know, thrown away properly or recycled, it's going to get into the environment. So looking, looking at that, I realized, you know, in order for us to be truly true, uh, to have a true impact for the world and also be to, to be true to our customers, we have to, we have to be totally honest about how much plastics we use. And, and so we came out with this analysis. We studied our supply chain and said, Hey, every year we're using this amount of plastics, but we're making a commitment to, to remove it all and to quit it. And so the quit single use uh, hashtag and movement is really initially our commitment as a retailer and as a brand to remove single use plastics from our supply chain. But it's also a call to action. It's a call to action for other brands, for other retailers, and for consumers in general to quit single use in their own lives. And again, that goes back to that idea of, of, of the supply of plastic needs to stop in order for the real issues in the oceans and waterways to stop. Absolutely. And I think sometimes you just need to make people aware, which is why I love how simple the message is. I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think, I think United by Blue does a good job with simplifying in otherwise you know, very big, complicated, even scientific issue that's happening. Um, and and we, we try to we try to think of the world in that way. We're, 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 we know that consumers love 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 just keeping essentially keep it simple. And and even internally, it's always the discussion of like, should we be doing? Should we be talking about this in different ways? Should we be should we be trying to educate on the on the you know the the, the, the issues in, in a more in depth way? And, and in many ways. We do. We, we have a very sophisticated scientific approach to what we do. But we also know that, you know, the best way to get passion and the best way to get people around an issue is to keep it simple. And, and that's what flip single use is. Absolutely. So let's pivot and talk about durability. My co-host, Ed, loves durability in his clothing. and That's my number one factor in purchasing yeah, a piece of clothing. Yeah, it's incredible. And while I wouldn't describe it that way, I actually like to think about my clothes in the same way. I like to wear them over and over and over again. Um, how are you, Brian, approaching durability? And how, how are you creating your products and your lifestyle brand to be durable? So d- durability is arguably also more important than even the materials that it's made of because as, as you point out, if you know if it's durable, you can wear it over and over and it's 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 the true definition of what sustainability is. That and recycling um and and reusing. So for us it, it does start with the material though, the idea that um if 
if something uh, can be made with a more durable and sustainable material, we, we try to use that. So hemp is a great example. Hemp is four times more durable than cotton. Um, plus it has a whole bunch of sustainability attributes that are super, super compelling and important. But hemp, hemp is a great example of, of, of how you can make an otherwise non-durable garment much more durable. And so if you buy like a hemp button down from us, that um, that's going to hold up so much better than 100% uh, cotton garment from, from another retailer. So the abrasion resistancy and just the, the wear from how it's washed and worn is going gonna, is gonna to last a lot more. It, it also comes down to like the quality and the investment into things like the manufacturing process and the stitching. Um, because we're rooted in, in this heritage of the outdoors, you'll see a lot of reinforced stitching with our products so that, you know, we're, we're making products that are going to like hold up to the test of time. We also have a lifetime guarantee on our bags, which we feel is really important because bags, bags should be meant to be used for years and years and years. So if there's ever a problem with one of our bags, we'll repair it or replace it. And, and that's super important from a sustainability standpoint as well. So yeah, one of the things on durability and I don't, I don't know if you do this. I didn't have a chance to scan through your entire catalog before this interview is repairability or, and you know, in the consumer electronics space, they call that the right to repair, which is a whole nother thing. But um, what do you think about the idea of facilitating and helping people understand how to just sew up a simple little damaged part of their pants or just repair clothing or put on a patch or something like that? Do you guys get into that at all? We don't yet. Um, Repairability is, is, is is an important part of sustainability and our customer base i would say is is very very proactive and aware of 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 doing that i would say that you know we don't we don't a we don't have many problems with 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 product failing like that in the first place but the bags are a good example if there is issues with the bags repairability We, we we work with a local repair shop in philadelphia where any damaged bag will come back and we'll we're not just replacing an, uh, like a damaged bag with a new bag. We are trying to repair it first and foremost. And that's what our customer wants. They want, you know, even if that bag has some patina and some age to it, you know, and, and, a, and, a, and, and some stitching on the handle comes out, we want to repair that. We don't want to just jump to giving them a new bag. Right. Because then sustainability is, sustainability is sort of new. Um, as far as like apparel goes, we're not, we're not quite there yet. I know some brands are getting there. Um, but, uh, but definitely something that's on our radar because apparel is, it's something just like bags. It, it it can be repaired, and and we're we're too quick to throw things away in this culture. And our belief is that, you know, we we have to use things for a longer period of time, and we have to be willing to repair it as well. Well, as Eva knows, every once in a while, I give our guests some cheap tips, <laughs> which are worth every bit of the amount that you're paying for them. Mm-hmm. I okay. suggest a couple YouTube videos just on how to sew a button how to yeah. put on a patch, um, even if, like, your evil nephew takes a pair of scissors and cuts your pants, how do you just just run a thread through it? Um, that could be right. a pretty cool thing to offer just as part of a, a education campaign and just something, putting it out there for people to help them figure out. My, da- yeah. my daughter's 23, and she was like, oh, I got to learn from grandma how to sew on a button because mm-hmm. so, my <laughs> wife doesn't know how to do it. Um, it's yes. a bit of a lost art, but I think the, the Gen Zers are going to bring it back. Absolutely. 
No, I think it is very important. So anyway, cheap tip of the day. <laughs> I like it. So uh, we want to talk more about the business, but we'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Um, typically, we ask uh, what your morning routine looks like. Yeah, what gets you ready to go for the day to change the world? Oof, that's you know that's that's an ever evolving equation now that I have um, two small kids, I have a three year old and a one year old. <laughs> um, so so it's sort of it's sort of it, I get into patterns, and then as soon as I'm in a pattern, I, I realize that it changes based upon who's doing what or who's waking up when. But what I'm doing now is. Um, waking up around the time when my son gets up, my three-year-old, around like 6.15 to 6.30. And the first thing we do is we both get a glass of water. And so we have some water. And then we go to my little home gym setup. And I have like a stationary bike. And my son has this little uh, Fisher Price <laughs> stationary bike as well, which has like an iPad that Bluetooth connects to it. And we, we bike. Um, so about for 30 minutes, do some exercise. Um, he actually, when, when, when that was new after Christmas, he was really into it. He was actually biking because there's these games that are on the iPad that are Bluetooth connected so we can hear and, you know, catch coins or, or spell words and things like that. Now he's realized that he can, open up other apps on the iPad and play games and just sit on the bike. <laughs> so, so that's, that's what we're, that's what we're working on right now is, is trying to convince him to, to, to keep on biking, but it's fine. He's three. He doesn't have to necessarily bike with me. <laughs> um, we, uh, we then, we then go make breakfast and we tend to make eggs and uh, anything else that's going on. My daughter then joins us. She's one. So I, I, I cook breakfast for both of them. It's an important time of my day where I get to really, really spend some time with them. And then I go to the office. Um, and in the office, you know, it's, it's a lot of different um, early morning meetings when it comes to uh, like the leadership team, looking at uh, our finances. Um, but really that's, that's later in the day. So then, you know, off to the races. Excellent. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd be able to get my five-year-old on a bike. Um, at least a stationary <laughs> one. He he rides his his bike. So, yeah. so uh, coffee, tea, <laughs> or caffeine free? Oh, it's coffee. Coffee sure. all the way. All yes. right. Yeah, yeah. Coffee, well, and, and then also I, I do like to, I do like to add some like stuff to my coffee. I I, I put some like of this powdered green vegetable, super green in. I also do some like mushroom powder. Oh, in the co- sort of in the yeah, coffee. In the coffee. I, I yeah, I make I make like a coffee with additives. The does green it, does, sounds, I've how, never how heard does, of the green before. I do taste? mushroom coffee, but I've never heard of the greens before. You've heard of mushroom coffee? It, I drink it every morning. You drink mushroom coffee? Yes. That's, co- that's just mushrooms though, right? It's not coffee. Cur- no, no, no. It is coffee with mushrooms. What does that do for you? They're superfoods. Good for the brain. <laughs> it's yeah. good it's for the brain. brain. Good makes, for the your body. Friends, oh. makes your friends think you're cool. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's, <yeah. laughs> it's, it's, it's trendy. It's trendy. <laughs> now I'm jealous. Um, well, the, the, I, so there is like mushroom coffee. And then what I do is uh, I add it to my normal coffee. So I actually make coffee and I add the mushroom powder. I add the green powder. Um, you know, I, I get it even a little bit more trendy sometimes depending on how I'm feeling and add some MCT oil and some butter. Um, and sort of make it bulletproof, but that's not all the time. Like this morning, it was just mushroom powder and, and 
some green powder with my coffee. I have never tried that. Tomorrow's a new day for it's you. Great. <laughs> I, I, I think that the green, the, the green is the thing that's sort of the outlier, the green, the it vegetable is. powder, but it actually, it tastes good. It's yummy. I might try that tomorrow. All right. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> your company is a B corporation and, um, you know, sometimes on this podcast we get a little jaded in thinking that every company does value financial performance and social performance equally. That probably has not always been the case for you. And I would love if you could tell us an example of a time that maybe your stakeholders or board members or any other, um, even consumer customers were, were not fully bought into the social mission of the business. Has that happened? I think that, um, Early on, when I first was starting the company, people would often be confused about how the mission associated with the brands, um, you know, and there's still confusion around, you know, are, are we picking up trash and making their products, which we're not. Um, it's really the, the idea that we're, we're a catalyst for, for, for environmental efforts. Um, that being said, there's not ever been too much skepticism in the purpose of both doing good for doing good sake and, and, and how doing good can also be good for business sake. I think that generally speaking, my stakeholders, my board, people that are involved in the company recognize the value that uh, social entrepreneurship brings to business. I think that the, um, the challenge sometimes within the company, both for myself as well as other members is to always remind ourselves why we exist. It's, it's really easy. And I say this sounds bad, but it's, it's really easy to get distracted sometimes, especially when you get into more challenging, say, economic situations or times to just focus on the numbers and forget about the millions of pounds of trash or the events that we're hosting. I mean, I think now is a really interesting time for the world. And like, you know, we're, 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 there's an unsettled, unsettling feeling across the globe with what's going on economically and health-wise. And so it's important for us to balance the, the real business concerns that we're facing with the reality that we also need to make sure that our, our mission survives and our mission goes on in these, in these troubling times. Um, so it's really, it's really more about like just making sure that that unity between mission and business remains regardless of, of, of what we're facing. And how do you think your this is shifting gears a bit, but how do you think your team would describe you as a leader, your style as a leader? I'm, I'm fairly, uh, I think they would describe me as thoughtful. I, I try to, I try to always think of the big picture. I'm not really too much into the weeds. Um, I'm, I'm definitely not micromanaging the situation or at least not trying to. And I think that, the the idea of my leadership, and again, hopefully, what, what people feel for me is that um, I'm 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 trying I'm trying I'm trying to see around the corner, and I'm trying to I'm trying to paint the future in a way that gives the company a better vision of what we're of what we're of what we're all working towards. And it's hard, right, in business and it's hard for me sometimes to to, to lift your head up and, and to be able to see that. But for me that's that's what leadership is. That's what my style is. It's it's to even even again, like even in even right now, where who knows where twenty twenty is going, 
I'm trying to look through the clouds and say, you know, but where's 2021 at? Like, what do we, what do we need, what do we need to do to have a strong and, 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 and relevant business and environmental organization in 2021 and 2022? Um, so, so that's, that's my sort of way of leading is, is, is painting that vision of the future. Wherever 2020 goes, the problems that you are tackling will still be there and they might even be worse. Um, and so I think there will be a return to viewing purpose-driven as really relevant, um, even if it's not top of mind at the moment. Yeah, I'm, it, it's concerning, right? I, I mean, I'm curious what you guys think even like with what's going on, you know, sustainability is like an afterthought. Purpose is becoming an afterthought because you can't think of anything else, right? You know, there's... I actually have anecdotally had different experiences with that. Um, like, you know, one of our our uh, investors kind of got in touch and said, you know, I told me his story of getting stuck and also getting sick. We're not sure if he had COVID, but he said, you know, I think that for me, really, this is the stress that the situation has caused has really made me want to return to my social values and, and think about my values beyond just money. Um, mm. and the stock market. So, I mean, this is actually, it's, and it's, it's feedback I've received a, a, a handful of times over the past couple of weeks. And just so everybody knows when we put this out, we are talking about this. We are having this conversation around the time that COVID-19 is, is kind of coming into the light in the U.S. And there are a lot of changes in, I think, all of our lives. Yeah, definitely. When you have a health scare, it makes people think about what matters to them and what they regret or wish they would do. And it does center things a little bit more. Um, but I think this global event will be one of the greatest tests, maybe a litmus test of sustainability. My daughter was telling me how a silver lining in this whole thing was that you know, carbon emissions would be way down in China because of this economic activity. And of course, the implications of that are, well, we all know that if the world got to be much greener, much more quickly, that there would be an impact on standard of living, yeah. right? We know that. And yeah. the question is whether or not it would be an acceptable or what is the, there are win-win models. And mm -hmm. I think what United by Blue is doing is in that realm of win-win models. But there are other things like transportation, flying to see your parents in Ohio, or in my case, like that's, you know, that's an environmental impact pretty much no matter how you slice it. And if I'm not flying there, the environmental impact's not there. But then again, I'm not seeing my parents. And so I'm, I wonder as, as you do, Brian, that the will the the economic contraction be viewed as a positive or as a negative for this young environmentally focused generation? Will they be able to sort of stick with these values when it's hardest to stick with them? That's a good point. So I suspect that they will. Here's hoping. I suspect they will, but... Um, but there are sacrifices to be made in order to, to get there. Yeah. So last question 
for you, Brian, um, assuming that you, you're able to continue the um, very thoughtful and um, intentional growth of your company, what's next for the business? We would love to be in a position to better participate and engage with communities around the country and world through physical space, through physical um, interactions with people. And that, that means expanding our retail footprint. We have two beautiful stores in Philadelphia that are um, really the, the cornerstone of the community model that we've built. And they provide us with a great venue for events and, and ideas and, and idea sharing and also a, a recruitment ground for volunteers of local events. And we regularly easily get 300 people out at a river camp in Philadelphia because of our presence here through physical stores. And so if we're able to spread that model throughout more markets and more, more communities and, and really become a part of the, the, the fabric of these communities, we'll, we'll be able to exponentially grow the amount of people that we touch and the amount of cleanups that we do. And again, further impact cultures through that diffusive impact of our mere existence. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's really a pleasure to get to know you and your brand. I can't wait to go online and, and see what else you have on there. Yeah, I'm going to buy something today. What's what's the one thing I, <laughs> everyone needs to have from your from your site? Oh my gosh, with with with, with um, it being uh, hopefully getting into the warmer months, the uh, anything with hemp in it from a fabric standpoint. So like some of the men's button downs or women's button downs that have a hemp blend are just amazing fabrics. But also a couple of our bags. Like if you're if you're ever in the market for a bag, um, some of our our bags. They come with, well, they all come with a lifetime guarantee and they're all made with either recycled polyester or organic uh, cotton canvas. It's a really great bag. All right. We'll go do some shopping here in a bit. Online <laughs> shopping. Exactly. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bye. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.